Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. Kipuma. Welcome in, brother man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Man, that is music to my ears. I know I said it last week when I compared it to Triple H coming back. But right now, man, that's like the, the equivalent of Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out with like the breaking glass. I, I love it. But, dude, wild week one. So much to get through. So little time. I, 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 I'm still recovering from the Seahawks upset last night against, uh, you know, Broncos country. Let's ride. Yeah, Broncos country, let's die. How about that? That was a, that was a hell of a game. Definitely did not have that on the bingo card. And definitely did not have a few results that panned out and how it ended up uh, on my bingo card. So, wild week one. But, Jay, as the captain of the ship, how are you doing, good sir? I am doing good, sir. I'm so happy NFL football's back. We had some amazing games. And, you know, the Rams-Bills game seems like it was four months ago, right? It seems Mm -hmm. like it was so long ago. We had some amazing games. Um, And uh, truthfully, the question I wanted to ask you before you even go into the podcast is, what was your favorite game of the day? Because I, I know all of us are going to end up probably saying that Steelers-Bengals game because that was probably one of my favorites. Um, but last night's Steeler, uh, last night Seahawks-Broncos uh, game, that was also high drama, especially with how the game had that ebb and flow. Geno Smith came out on fire, and then he kind of just went away in the second half, right? Uh, and then the, the Broncos started making their comeback, a couple of fumbles at the goal line, and then obviously Nathaniel Hackett just completely spinned the bid with the clock management with 50 seconds left. That was that was as egregious as a, as a, as a uh, mental mistake I've seen out of a head coach in a long time. And, and actually, some quick insight into that. I've seen a couple of headlines out of Broncos country today. Um, a lot of, like, you know, Denver Bronco-related um, articles and posts. And it seems like the honeymoon's over. Like, those, those guys out there are, are pissed. And it's obviously too early to put them on the hot seat and all that stuff. But you can definitely tell with the tone today in Denver that the, uh, what you call it, the honeymoon's over. I mean, dude, they were already asking for him to be fired last night. Like, he wasn't even done calling his last time out during kneel downs before Bronco. If you just put hashtag Broncos country in Twitter, like almost every fifth post was fire Nathaniel Hackett. It's like, oh, my God, it's it's the one game. But I'll say this much, though. You trade all those draft picks. You trade Noah Fant. You get rid of Shelby Harris. uh, You get rid of Drew Locke, which, I mean, it's Drew Locke. It is what it is. Uh, and then you double down on Russ to give him that massive contract extension just to take the football out of his hand to put it on Brandon McManus's leg to make the field goal. And, you know, by the way, like he missed, but it wasn't by much, but a miss is a miss. Like c- close hits are not going to put points on the board. But I mean, my uh, my favorite game of the weekend, I, I-, I was going to go. You know, uh, I was going to go the Bengals-Steelers game just because of how bananas that game was. But no, last night's game trumps it all. You have, you know, Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. He's getting booed. You know, it's not going his way. The offense is looking anemic. The play calling is blah. Uh, Then you have Geno Smith looking like, you know, Joe Montana out there. (laughs) There was just so much going on. And, and Jan, you know, I know we want to get to the game previews and whatnot, but like my thought, and tell me if I'm wrong, do, it, am I crazy to think that in in Russell Wilson Wilson's you know phony brain because I think he's the biggest phony in all of sports, 
do you think like he honestly thought he was going to get like a warm reception in Seattle and when he ran out of that tunnel and got the booze like that probably rattled him the rest of the game like am I am I nuts to think that no you're not nuts to think that because we saw that last year with Tom Brady Tom Brady came out wild and high because the emotions are so high uh, when you go back into a place you spent, what, eight, nine years for Russell Wilson? It was 24 for Tom Brady, but I completely buy that. That's not a far reach at all just because, you know, at the end of the day, yes, he's moved on to a to a better situation in his mind, but he did spend a large part of his upbringing becoming a college kid into a man in Seattle, and Seattle probably feels... They were hung out to dry. They felt like, well, why does this guy want to be here with us? Why does he want out? So there's a there's a lot of animosity between you know player and fan base at that point. And and I I don't I don't I think that's a great point by you that they, he probably did get rattled by some of the booing. Right. I mean, hell, he showed up to the stadium yesterday in like a like what a the hell green that? suit. What, what was I was that? like, wouldn't you want to show up in like either Broncos orange or like a a dark navy blue type of deal? And I saw like ice green. Like, what the hell is this? I, I, see, my problem with Russell Wilson is I don't think he went too far. I, I think Let's Ride wasn't too far. I wanted chaps. I wanted cowboy hat. I wanted, like, sun-dried skin that's been outside in the desert for, like, four weeks. I want, like, 1883 Russell Wilson walking through the door. That, that's where. That's the perfect amount of Let's Ride. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, my I, God. He, change the slogan. I am the ride. <laughs> I am the ride. Yes. Oh, that would have been great if you showed up in chaps with, like, a little pop gun six shooter. When I'm pop gun, I'm talking, like, full on, like, he goes to a Western store somewhere in Denver and he's like, all right, give me the full treatment, you know? He, just, <laughs> he, he, he takes a picture of John Dutton and the guy behind the counter says, say no more. Yes, yes. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, that, that was oh. a fun game. Another, but another game that I was really big on, and I had a lot of fun time watching this with my little sister. It was the uh, the Raiders oh, and Chargers game, oh, and God. and that's gonna roll into our Chargers Chiefs preview. But I tell you what, man, like I I had a good time watching that game. Actually, let's talk about that Chargers versus Chiefs Thursday night football. Uh, I'm actually gonna be out there with you, Puma. We're gonna be watching it together. It's gonna be some good times, you know. Yep. And looking at the Chargers against the Raiders, man, it was just it was just a good win for the Chargers. It was a great win. They picked up right where they left off last year. Um, Justin Herbert came out looking like an absolute animal. Um, I, I've I've noticed something about Herbert is like his off-platform throws are are just absolutely insane. And like a lot of quarterbacks have issues when their legs aren't set and they can't drive the ball. This dude could be like mid-air, torso going one way, legs going another way, and he's still the ball has the same exact velocity on it. Uh, no matter where he releases it from. So, Chargers Chiefs, big matchup in the AFC West. I'm looking forward to it. This is a, you know, one of those matchups that's going to have a lot of ramifications down the road, especially when playoff seating comes around. Um, you're walking into a hostile environment in Kansas City. It's so hard to win in Kansas City. And now there's rumblings that Keenan Allen's probably not going to play just because he left the game against the Charger, against the Raiders uh, with a hammy. So, he's out. Um, so initially when I sat down to look at the, this game, I, I was feeling like I was going to lean towards the Chargers. But as I started looking at what the Chiefs did week one and how good Patrick Mahomes looks, like the offense looks like it doesn't need Tyreek at all. Like their offense, truthfully, I was watching the Chiefs and the, and the uh, Cardinals the other night. Like their offense looks more diverse. I think the concepts are a little bit more exotic because they don't have to just draw up a play for Tyreek. Now it's like, all right, we're going to draw up a concept here and a play here. 
and every single person is going to be a potential target. We're in reality in past, it was like, all right, we're going to do all this, you know, bring clear out the bottom and then Tyree can take the top off, right? That's basically how they drew it. Now it's just like, you have no idea where the ball is going. And I think that's eventually going to make Mahomes a better quarterback. Um, I, as a, as an, as a Chargers fan, I'm a little scared of what might happen um, th- Thursday night. So I'm kind of leaning towards the Chiefs at the moment, but I mean, I just, I'm looking forward to this game, man. Right. I mean, this is going to be great. Dynamite, you know, and it's also the first game on Amazon Prime. So we'll see how that goes as well, too. But I mean, Jay, my first bullet point here on the notes is exactly what you said. Like the Mahomes looked like he did not need Tyree Kill mm-hmm. at all. I mean, he was getting the ball out to, you know, nine different receivers. End of the day with five touchdowns. And, and Jay, like I'll say this, though, too, like the, the, the Chiefs look great, but. I'm not taking anything away from Andy Reid and company, but the Cardinals were just mm-hmm. absolutely – like, I don't know if they thought, like, they were opening up week one against a different opponent, and then, like, Van Joseph was like, oh, oh, we are facing the Chiefs, mm-hmm. so maybe I should not blitz as much, but, like, he pretty much doubled down and blitzed, you know, Mahomes a bunch in that game, and he got ripped to pieces, uh, but – I'm I'm with you here. I got the Chiefs in this game. You know, the spread right now is at four and a half. I got it at three and a half earlier yesterday morning. But I mean, a lot of this is hinging on, you know, Keenan Allen. He's been all but ruled out with a hamstring injury. You know, it, the wide receiver too, I believe his name is uh, Josh Palmer. Like he's going to have to step up. Mike Williams is going to have to step up. I'm probably speaking for a lot of fantasy managers as well too. Me too. But like in the real mm-hmm. life football game, he was kind of nowhere to be found yep. on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you 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 would have figured maybe this was like the play calling from Joe Lombardi because during the second half, they weren't as pushing the pace per se. But, you know, if the Chargers are going to, you know, have a chance in this one, Mike Williams is going to have to show up. I mean, I don't even think Austin Eckler was that involved no. in the game on Sunday either. <clears throat> but on the defensive side of the football, you know, Khalil Mack and Joey mm-hmm. Bosa are going to have to make life uncomfortable for, you know, f- uh, for Patrick Mahomes. Like, I, you know, this defense is good enough that you'd not, you're not going to have to blitz, at least in my opinion, I don't think so. But if these guys can contain and, you know, not have Mahomes do his, met, you know, magician act back there, the the, the Chargers are going to have, a, a you know, a puncher's chance in this one. But on the road, an arrowhead, short week, um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, and looking at some of the the Chargers numbers on defense, um, their defense looks explosive. Simply as that. Like I was stunned at the fact that they had you know seven sacks. I didn't remember it being that that many sacks, and three of them came from Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack looks like he's turned the clock back. You know, fifteen. I'm sorry, ten years. It's one of those things where like you know Khalil Mack. It's it's still week one, so maybe he doesn't have the endurance to keep this up for the whole year. But at the moment, everything that Brandon Staley wanted out of Mack, he's getting. Um, so what, three sacks from him, seven sacks in total, three interceptions, a bunch of pressures. They were basically in Carr's face all game long. I don't have the metrics in front of me from PFF, but I'm sure it was something ridiculous, like 40% they're like in Carr's face the whole night. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this game quite a bit. I want to see where the charges are because obviously Kansas City is the measuring stick in the AFC West. We all agree they're the team you have to go through to win the AFC West. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what Justin Herbert can do. Last year, they went into Arrowhead and they beat them. Um, that's when Brandon Staley was basically like, I'm going to fort on every single fourth down. Um, hopefully he has a little bit different of a tactic this year. Um, but I'm looking forward to this game so much, man. Mm-hmm. 
for once, like a really good like Thursday night football matchup. We don't have to like suffer through Titans Jaguars. No, no, this stop that. We got we got we got to eliminate that narrative, Puma. These Thursday night games have been really good the last couple of years, man. Yeah, occasionally you'll get a clunker, but I remember Thursday night football when it first came out years ago. Yeah, I'll agree with you then. Those were some pretty bad games, but mm-hmm. now they've gotten really really good. Yep, hey, I'm just excited. I'm excited. Football's back, but I still have PTSD from Titans Jaguars. <laughs> yeah, that was. That was pretty bad. Um, all right, you ready to move on to some Patriots versus Steelers? Oh, Jay, I know, I know, you got something to say. Nah, I know, I know, no. you got something to say. So let's let's have that. Let me <laughs> let me let me set the table for you, Jay. Okay, all, right. all right, let me set the table for you because I know this is your team. You're plugged in, and I know you went to Costco and you got like three pounds worth of tums to get you through the season for New England. You have New England going on the road to Pittsburgh. It's not even called Heinz Field anymore, but I'm calling it Heinz Field. You know, they're they're a one-point favorite. They just lost to Miami. You know, it was like 105 degrees on the on the field down there, but they're also facing they're facing the Pittsburgh Steelers team that by hook or by crook and a long snapper getting hurt, they stole a win in Cincinnati that really shouldn't have gone to overtime because of how many interceptions and turnovers they got from Joe Burrow and the Bengals. What's your take on this game? Pats, Steelers. Woosa, woosa, right? Um, I don't even know where to start. Um, as a Patriots fan, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm obviously very disheartened, uh, concerned about the loss that we had week one against the, against the Dolphins. Um, obviously, you're probably ecstatic the fact that your Dolphins won, but it was just, you know, a very sloppy loss for the Patriots down in Miami, man. Like, they went down there five days early to somehow get acclimated to the environment, right? That seems like it didn't help at all. They only scored seven points, and even those seven points they scored were on a drive that was aided by some questionable refereeing. Um, you know, in in totality, the team itself looks like it's an undisciplined team. They turned the ball over, bad penalties, more of the same from last year. More actually, more of the same for the last two years now. It's year three post Brady, and we constantly keep saying this over and over again: how they're very uh, bad coach team. Um, they. Uh, they don't seem to be ready. Uh, just the, the mental mistakes are something we never thought we would see out of a Patriots and coach uh, Bill Belichick coach team. But it's now a consistent thing. Like the old Patriots was so long ago. Like, I mean, this is a complete different team that I don't even recognize truthfully. Um, so looking forward to this game against the Steelers. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I am absolutely shocked and flabbergasted. We had a conversation about this, that the Pats are favored in a home opener for the Steelers, um, where, you know, on the other side, they have Brian Flores helping them out on defense, right? Um, Brian Flores was obviously the head coach of the Miami Dolphins last year uh, and a couple of years ago, actually, for two or, three, two or three years now. But he had a very good, successful track record against the Patriots. So I find it fascinating that the Patriots are favored to go in there. I personally don't think they're going to win. I, I think this is one of those things where Brian Flores is going to give his full-on like insight to how to stop Mac Jones and the Patriots. Um, on top of that, we still don't know what Mac, Mac Jones' condition is. Uh, if you guys haven't heard, he after the game, he went to the x-ray room to have his back checked out. Um, I know Puma, you've got some conspiracy theories on these that he was trying to duck the media. But all from all indications, it seems like his back and the, all the x-rays and tests came back negative. So they listed as a back spasm. So he should be starting on Sunday. Um, but in regards to overall feel for this game, I do have the Steelers winning. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Patriots, 
can only go up from here on offense. If they scored seven points last week, I'm hoping they can score 14, 17 and keep it somewhat close because this is going to be a low-scoring close game. Um, but I've, I've got the Steelers winning, man. <clears throat> yeah, I'm with you there too, Jay. Like, there's, there's nothing... There's nothing about this Pats offense and really this Pats squad that's going that inspires a lot of confidence. I mean, you know, Mac Jones when uh, he got sacked uh, against the the Dolphins and it was a you know a sack fumble that was you know f- returned for a touchdown because they were in their own territory. Um, I mean, he didn't feel the pressure. The offensive line didn't do him any favors, and uh, there's just so many questions about the you know schematically like what's the personnel that's going to be on the field and i know there's like a whole thing we can also go into about like the kendrick Bourne fiasco of you know he was in the doghouse the whole game and then like the one time he showed up there was the most explosive play of the game for like a 40 yard bomb down the sideline then he was nowhere to be found and whatever semblance of an offense they had just went out the window at that point but like on the other side of things you know mitch trubisky was okay but, like, the offensive line for the Steelers isn't that great. I mean, we saw that. You know, Najee Harris, uh, he he's dinged up in this game. He re-aggravated, a, you know, a foot injury that he was dealing with in training camp. So, you know, I'm thinking he's going to gut it through and, 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 and play on Sunday. But, you know, who knows at this point. Uh, TJ, TJ Watt is going to miss this game because he, he tore, uh, he tore up his pec, uh, his pectoral. So he's probably going to be out for, he's, is he on injured reserve Jay or did they not, they didn't put him on IR yet. Right. So they have to make the decision by Saturday and they're going to make that decision as they get closer to that deadline by 4 PM, I believe, mm-hmm. um, just because they're still in that phase of gathering as, as much information as possible. I know he went out there and got a second and third opinion, essentially, Get finding a doctor that said, you know what, just let this heal. But I'm sure the team also wants to have run their process as well and figure out if that's a good move or not. Right. So I mean, he's going to be out for an extended period of time. But uh, this God, the, Jay, this Pat's offensive line is just so bad. Like Cole but, Strange, Cole Strange, your number one draft mm-hmm. pick this year was God was bench. benched the rest of the game for a guy that was worse than him last year. So. This, I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Steelers. It's gonna be a low-scoring game. The over/under is at 40. Uh, uh, I, if I'm betting this game, I'm taking the under, and it, it's at 40. Hell, hell, Jay. I might play this all the way down to 35 mm-hmm. because, like, the, both offenses are just blah at this point, and there's so many question marks for New England. And you know, I never thought we'd be sitting here on September 13th saying that a week two game is pretty much do or die for this Patriot squad because then coming up after this you got you know you got the Ravens you got the Bills you got you know it's it's a murderous row of things before they get to like the middle part of the schedule where it's you know it's pretty manageable where you're facing like the Jets and the the Lions and whatnot but I mean they have to win this game like I don't think I'm I'm being rash in saying that that if they don't win this game, there's a good chance they're looking down the barrel of an 0-4 start. Well, I think it's a good point. Um, it's a must-win, uh, Puma, just because there's been a lot of rumblings this offseason about there's a certain a lack of buy-in from the players. Um, it seems that Bill Belichick um, has to convince his team um, that they're they're going to be all right. And if you've seen how he's talked in his post game, in his media interviews, you would have no idea this is Bill Belichick talking. He's very rosy. He's very complimentary. He's talking about stats. Um, he's talking about how they won the yardage stats. I mean, he's talking about stuff that in the past he's 
flat out come out and said stats are for losers and I was using that using that stats as as a positive for the team. So I think there's a lot of positive reinforcement happening here because I think he understands his team doesn't believe in him. And that let's just call for what it is because everybody's been tiptoeing around this. There's been a lot of issues with the Patriots this offseason and we thought going into week one, the biggest problem with this team was going to be Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. And that wasn't the case. Like literally, it was it was an all right game they called. And besides like two or three plays where they play calls that came in that we were like, what the hell is that? For the most part, the play calling was all right. They weren't the bigger issue. The bigger issue simply was Mac Jones looked horrible and Bill Belichick's team looked like they were unprepared. I mean, they're still making the same mental mistakes they made for three years now before Matt Patricia and George Judge came into the picture. So the fact that 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 it was more on Belichick and Mac is what's the most concerning part for us as Patriots fans because we've always thought that Mac and Belichick were going to be the the stronghold of this foundation, right, of the house. But, you know, it's, it's, it looks like it's not that. It seems like, it, you know, Mac's... For all the stuff that we heard over the offseason about how he's gone stronger, his arm strength is his arm strength is there. It, it just did not translate to the field on on Sunday, right? Um, he it doesn't matter what play you call and who calls it, whether it's Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, or Matt Patricia, a ball is going to float to the outlet to the out route is going to take a sweet old time with Max throwing it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep, exactly. You think we'll ever see this new offense that they're trying that they were trying to implement in training camp, or are we just saying Dan the torpedoes were going back to the yeah, what worked so the, so the they, last twenty years? So they ran about four of the new stretch zone plays. Um, all four of them, for the most part, were this stuff for negative losses. So they basically did not run any of that in the second half, and they went straight back to. Well, they came out running the old offense. Um, they tried some of the new stuff later in the half, but it didn't really work out and then went right back to the old offense. So basically it seems like that might be scrapped for now, but I still, you know, we all thought that if they scrapped the new offense, went back to last year's offense, they'd have some success. And I think in their arrogant minds, in Belichick's arrogant mind, he also thought that was going to be true because I showed this to you via Twitter, Dan Orlovsky was breaking down the first uh, I think it was 50 plays or whatever it was for the Patriots, and 12 of them were the same variation. Like, there was mm. three plays. They ran four times over and over and over again. And it was basically just the same variation of a play 12 times out of 50. And they thought that would be good enough to go out there, execute that at a high level, and win. I mean, there was, there was times in the past, remember, back in, like, 15 and 07, where they would just run the same play eight times down the field. And everybody would be like, oh, my God, look how amazing they are. They're running the same play over and over again. Well, that, it was different back then. You had the greatest quarterback of all time. Now you can't get away with that stuff. And and the and where the game really, like, swung on his head, Pumo, was when, you know, Mac Jones made that throw in the end zone to Devontae Parker, and it was intercepted. Now, did you get a chance to see that play? Um, yeah, the, I was watching that work. Well, the I fact mean, that... actually working. Well, the fact that Devontae Parker... Um, couldn't get separation is something we're not we're not you know oh well look at that jay (laughs) look at that what 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 did i tell you when they made that big splash you know you know free agent signing of oh man we got Mm -hmm. Devontae parker yeah you know i'll go pack his bags for you well just wait you'll be by if he doesn't have a soft tissue injury by the end of this game against the Steelers, now he's going to have one against Baltimore. Watch, I'm telling you, well, I'm telling you right now. One of the main reasons that ball was intercepted was because it was underthrown by Mac. It was underthrown so much the cornerback, which is the best cornerback that the Miami Dolphins have on their roster, was able to get his hand on it, pop up in the air, and the safety came over and intercepted it. Right, so that was issue number one on that play. Issue number two on that play was there was a wide open 
Jonathan Smith on the clear out route on the bottom. Like, this is basically like Devontae Adams going deep and Aaron Rodgers throwing it to him while there's a wide open Alan Lazard in the middle of the field. If you watch that play back again, you'll see Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith was basically coming wide open as well, and Mac just missed them. So I, I know this didn't get buried, and, and there's, already, there's already a narrative being built in that it's mostly on the coaching staff and Belichick and Patricia and Joe Judge, but... I'll be real with you. There's there's a lot of regression from Mac Jones as well. The fact that he's not seeing the field clearly, the fact that he's not making plays. And if you watch in the second half, Puma, there were throws down the field that were open. Nelson Aguilar had a step a couple of times on the DBs, and Mac just couldn't get in the bed the bread basket. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there with the Patriots offense, and uh, it's it's not looking good right now. Yep. Nope. Nope. I just can't wait to see what happens when Renegade comes comes on at Heinz Field and. See the Pats piss down their leg. See oh, the- <laughs> yeah. I, I still uh, and the whole Kendrick Bourne issue. We'll just we'll just hit on that real quick here. So today, Tom Kern, which is a prominent reporter in Boston, came out and said that, you know, basically Kendrick Bourne was benched during the Panthers preseason game because he missed a meeting. Um, that in turn led to some sort of. Not strife, but obviously, you know, Kendrick Bourne is a well liked guy in the locker room. So, you know, people are looking at him like, all right, well, if you're not getting the field, like, you know, we know you're putting the work in. So there's, there's issues there. Robert Kraft also noticed that on um, Sunday he didn't see much action, right? Uh, and obviously, Robert Kraft is a guy that signed that big check to bring him over from San Francisco as a free agent. So he's got a vested interest in that. And it goes deeper. It looks like, you know, Matt Patricia and Kendrick Bourne have some, some sort of falling out as well. Um, coupled out with the fact that Robert Kraft and Bourne are close. There seems to be a lot going on there. And stuff that you never heard in New England is now stuff that's kind of leaking out. So it's uh, interesting to say the least. Jay, Matt Patricia having a run-in with a player? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No! Mm-hmm. That never happened when he was in Detroit. <laughs> no! Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Sackley Blue! Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, and... <sighs> And, and yeah, I, I get your point. You know, Matt Patricia is a punching bag. I mean, he's done quite a bit in the in the past that um, has negatively affected uh, his performance on the field as a head coach. But I want to make it crystal clear, this past game on Sunday, besides three questionable play calls, I think Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were not the problem. I think it simply was a Matt Jones just didn't get the, the ball where it needed to go. And Bill Belichick team made some pretty uncharacteristic uh, mistakes uh, during the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to be fun to watch. I can't wait. I hope you uh, you got your Tums nearby when it happens. <clears throat> well, I mean, at that point, I should be driving back from Connecticut, and uh, there's a good chance I might look at that, you know, cliff again uh, around... <laughs> Around 1.30 as I'm driving past Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is fine. Oh, God. Well, to a happier time, Jay. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, All right, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the game that I'm really looking forward to this this next week. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into New Orleans to take on the vaunted Saints. That's always been a thorn in uh, Tom Brady's uh, side. So, Puma, who do you got win this game? I'm going to go with the Saints here. I mean, they're going to, it's going to be the home opener. It's going to be in the Thunderdome, a.k.a. Uh, what is it now? The Caesars Superdome now. Um, so, I mean, the, the homecoming here. Uh, they, they had quite the thriller against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. That was a, another thrilling game that kind of went by under the, the way, radar. By the way, wasn't uh, Atlanta down like 20? Uh, wasn't the Saints down 27-14 or something? It was something like Didn't that. Did Atlanta give up another big-ass lead again? Yep, yeah, they did. Congrats, Atlanta. Uh, that, that organization needs a giant piece of CH just 
burned and walked <laughs> around that whole stadium. But uh, no, I mean, Jameis, Jameis looked good. Uh, you know, he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, he was under pressure a lot. I think he got sacked like four times, but you know, he was real safe with the football. Um, you know, Mike Thomas looked like Mike Thomas of old. He had five receptions, 57 yards, two touchdowns. Jarvis Landry, I haven't seen mm-hmm. a stat line mm-hmm. like this in a long time. Seven receptions for 114 yards. I mean, hell, even Chris Olave got involved in the, in the game, uh, the rookie wide receiver out of uh, what what university, Jay? The Ohio State University. Yep, Olave looked good. I mean, this mm-hmm. offense looked good. I was kind of worried about what this would look like under Dennis Allen, but, I mean, it, it seemed to have kind of picked up where it left off. And, you know, we didn't see Taysom Hill attempting to, you know, throw a football, so that's always good. Um, the, the defense looks great. And that's kind of my big takeaway with this is, you know, from the Buccaneers perspective, they they survived that snooze fest on Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, Brady went 18 for 27, 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked two times. But, you know, he lost a couple of key players. He lost, you know, Chris Godwin. He's going to be out for an extended period of time with, uh, you know, with the hamstring injury. You know, their offensive line was already thin. They lost one of their uh, their left tackle. They had, you know, they had to shuffle some things around. And, you know, I think we're kind of seeing, and this isn't just like picking on Brady here. This is just like a trend throughout the league where, you know, starters that haven't really done a whole lot of action in preseason have had a hard time, like, mm-hmm. getting set in the actual game flow of things of week one. Like, you know, again, with Brady, we saw it with Russell Wilson last night. You know, I mean, how many delay of game penalties do they have, especially in the red zone? I think they ended the night with five. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're seeing that rust of Brady not being there for 11 days to either salvage his marriage slash do a family vacation, you know, that's going to be a big question. I think this game is going to be won on the defensive side of the football. The over-under set at 44. I kind of like the under in this game, mm-hmm. even though Julio Jones looked to have turned back the clock yes. a few years. He on the TB12, baby. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's you know, no disrespect to Julio. Is is he going to hold up all, you know, yeah, 17, 18 weeks well, of the season? I mean, season? now he will because he's on TB12 method. Oh, oh yeah, on. yeah. Alex Guerrero, <laughs> sa- the savior of uh, Tom Brady. <clears throat> but, no, I, I got the Saints winning this game. I mean, if you were to bet this now, the point spread's at two and a half, but... Um, right now the Saints are, uh, are one of my best bets for the for the uh, the weekend, but I got them at three and a half. Yeah, I would take that under Puma because um, the one thing that we need to touch on is I think I think we're seeing a metamorphosis uh, of the uh, the Buccaneers offense. We're seeing a little bit different of philosophy with the Buccaneers offense. Um, you're starting to see this offense mirror that 2018 Patriots offense where they're going to run the hell out of the ball and they're going to use their wide receivers to block and they're going to do whatever they can to run the hell out of the ball because obviously now Bruce Arians isn't in-house anymore, right? Bruce Arians obviously left the head coaching position for the Buccaneers, went up to the uh, the front office, I guess, and now Todd Bowles is running the show. And the one thing we heard last year coming out of the complaint from Tom Brady's camp was the fact that while he loved airing the ball out, he just, obviously, it's hardwired in his DNA to run the ball, be more effective, be more balanced. And I saw a very big emphasis on that Bucks offense this uh, week one to make sure they can run the ball. I mean, I think that day Leonard Fournette had, what, 21 carries, 127 yards, 6 carries on uh, 6 yards per carry on average. Um, so they did a good job with running the ball. The problem is they don't have any depth at running back. Uh, they don't have anybody sitting behind him. So if he does get hurt, it's going to be a little bit of an issue. But, you know, I think I think you're going to see a completely different Buccaneers offense. 
I would hammer the under, but I also like you, Puma. I'm, I'm actually being, you know, uh, a, a honest podcaster here. Now. I'm not just wrong with Brady here. I think I'm going to take the Saints to win just because that Saints team is loaded, Puma. Like, top to bottom, that roster looks so good. Um, if they obviously had a competent quarterback and not Jameis Winston, who, by the way, gave us another gem, pain, pain everywhere. Pain, pain everywhere. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, top to bottom, man, I just I, I can't get over just how stacked that team is, right? I mean, you've got players like Camaro, who didn't even have a big game. Like, their leading rusher was, was Taysom Hill. Um, they got so many weapons everywhere. Ingram, I mean, God, Jarvis, Michael Thomas is back. Juwan Johnson had 43 yards. He looked pretty good. Um, so I will take um, the the Saints to win this game. I think it'll be closer. I think it's going to be somewhere in the realm of 24-21 at the final score. Yeah, definitely going to be uh, not the barn burner, but definitely a big that NFC South. I mean, this is this is going to be a, a great matchup. I, yeah. I can't wait. Did you uh, did you by any chance see the uh, the fact that the Bucks uh, Cowboys had 25 million viewers for Sunday Night Football opener? My even God. though it was a snoozer, even though it was a snoozer, <clears throat> uh, that that's bananas. I mean that. I mean that just tells you the star power of the NFL. I mean, remember a couple of years ago when everyone was saying oh, the NFL is a dying sport? No, okay. the, the NFL is alive and well. Mm-mm. And I mean, if they all suffered through that freaking lack of a barn burner, with you know, you have Chris Collinsworth sound like he smoked three cards of Virginia mm-hmm. Slims over the last two days, and you know, Dak getting hurt, and Mike McCarthy being Mike McCarthy. I mean, oh god, that, that that's amazing. It had that many views. Yes, uh, and the final question before we move on. Um, Jameis Winston over under at one and a half for insane quotes. Oh, I'll bet the mortgage on the over. <laughs> I think I think we're I think we're in line for two gems. <laughs> I'm just glad that any single time the Patriots lose, I'm going to use that pain, pain everywhere, pain, again. pain everywhere. <laughs> just pain, pain everywhere. And you know what's great is like Michael Thomas is. There. I know he's stone face, yeah, yeah. like yeah, no I, reaction, yeah. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Thomas, how do you look? I didn't, I didn't get to catch much of this game because it got buried on so much good action. Um, but like this is one of those games in the one o'clock window that was a great game because they came back from what like being down ten or eleven in the third and fourth and they won that yep. game. But he just got buried with all the other stuff going around. No, I mean he looked good. He looked, you know, from what I was seeing, uh, he looked like vintage Michael Thomas. And you know, I know. We like to make fun of Jameis for the 30 for 30, but uh-huh. one of those passes was, I want to say it was like a 20-yard gain. And, I mean, Jameis just put the perfect amount of air on it, and that thing just dropped right in the bread basket. Like, he hit him in stride. It was, it was perfect. That throw was right on the money, and I think a healthy Michael Thomas is going to make this offense do wonders. And, I mean, it, people kind of forget because the Saints kind of wilted down the stretch last year. They were they were in it for a playoff mm-hmm. spot, and in that game in the Superdome last year when Jameis got hurt, I mean they were up like they were up that game, and then he got knocked out, and you know they they ended up squeaking out a win, uh, the Saints I believe. But uh, I'm gonna I'm excited to see what this offense with Jameis Winston and Jarvis Landry and a healthy Michael Thomas is gonna look like. It it, it looks it looks like it's gonna be dynamite. Okay, okay. All right, let's move on to the final game we're going to be previewing. The uh, Titans are taking on the Buffalo Bills. Titans are coming off of a horrendous loss to the Giants. I still can't believe that happened. And then the Bills obviously are coming off a 31-10 shellacking of the Super Bowl champs on Thursday Night Football. Right off the bat, Puma, Monday Night Football, who you got winning this game? 
Oh, Bills. Bills yep. are, mm-hmm. you know, Bills are the best team Wagon. in the NFL right Wagon. now. And it's, it is, and, you know, some a commentator said this earlier today. You know, we saw, you know, the best in, the best the league has to offer in the Bills and the Chiefs. And, you know, personally, this, this isn't me being a Josh Allen homer. Uh, the Bills are just the best team in the NFL, and it's not really a close margin, in my opinion. I mean, the defense looked dynamite. You know, Von Miller, I, another candidate that like turned back the clock a few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he got after Stafford, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jay. He ended the night with like two or three sacks. I mean, that defensive line was really getting after it against the the Los Angeles Rams in their home turf. Josh Allen was Josh Allen. You know, I know if you look at the stat sheet, he had two interceptions. The first one, I'm putting that more on Isaiah McKenzie. He hit that guy right in the hands, and, you know, he Isaiah heard footsteps, and he just uh, he coughed that one up, and the, de- the defensive back just got the ball. The second one, yeah, that is on Josh, but you could make an argument that, you know, Jamison Crowder, instead of sitting back on the route, he should have came up to get in front of the cornerback. So the corner didn't jump the route, but I mean, that's just getting nitpicky at this point. They won by 20. Uh, the offense looks great. Devin Singletary, uh, I, I, they keep trying to replace him with either Zach Moss or last year, they or you know a couple of years ago it was Zach Moss. And this season they drafted James Cook and Devin Singletary is just like, nope, this is my job. And I mean, he had some motor to him. This offense looks great. The defense looks stout. And, and there really isn't a whole lot to take away from the Titans game if you're a Titans fan to feel a whole lot of confidence in. Yeah, like, and let's start with ugh. the Bill side of this thing here, Puma. Like, this is a game they've got to win. And I'm going to harp on this all year long for the Bills. Like, you know, we're, I'm a Josh Allen fan. You're a Josh Allen fan. We both want to see him win the Super Bowl. And to do that, you've got to have an AFC Championship game at home. And you've got to win these kind of games. You can't be like last year where you eventually, you know, lose a game to the Jags here or don't win this game. And next thing you know, you're going to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. You've got to make the Chiefs come to you. And that starts by winning these kind of games. So you got to come out. You've got to win against the Titans. You've got the uh, the Dolphins next week. You can probably beat them. you got the Ravens. That's going to be a tough game. you got the Steelers. You can probably beat them. And then you got the Chiefs on October 16th. It's not an easy schedule for the Bills as you look through it. You've got the Packers on there, Vikings. Uh, you've got Deshaun Watson when he's back. There's no cupcakes on this schedule besides the Lions and the Jets. So uh, maybe the Patriots. But you've got to win these games. You've got to start stacking them. And you've got to force the Chiefs to come to Buffalo. The game itself on Thursday night. Like I said this to you via text when we were t- watching the game. Like the Bills need to clean up those mistakes they make. Those turnovers and mental mistakes, that's how you lose those playoff games in 13 seconds, right? Um, yeah, it's great. They won by 31-10. They turn the ball four times. It shows you how explosive they are. But you do that in the playoffs, you're going home. You're going home early. Simple as that, man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, spot on. Spot on. On the Titans side, like, dude, what the hell is wrong with the Titans? Like, you can't lose that game. <laughs> like, it's, it's absolutely insane, especially when Daniel Jones... Throws you a pick in the end zone late in the fourth. How do you not oh, capitalize Jesus on that? Jay. How do you not capitalize on that? Like I, I, I'm sorry, man. The writing's on the wall for. I I know Ryan Tannehill made a resurgence in in Tennessee, but him, Derrick Henry. I think that whole team is at, at the end, man. Like you've got a. I know this is crazy. I know it's only week two, but you're gonna start seeing the cracks in the foundation in in Nashville, and I think you're gonna. I think they're in for a long season. I think they're in for a long season. I mean, we started seeing the cracks in the off season when, you know, Tannehill was opening up about, 
you know, life after that horrendous playoff performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not making light of mental health issues, but like the the dude had to go to like you know several sessions of therapy to get over this, and you know I'm happy he got the help that he needed. Uh, but I mean, I feel like the writing's on the wall. Uh, I don't really think he's a Vrabel guy. Um, it, uh, you know, otherwise I don't really see why they would take a flyer on uh, on Malik Willis, the kid out of out of Liberty. You know, I understand like the kid fell on the draft board, but I mean, he's a super raw prospect from a not power five school. Not to say that, you know, hey, Josh Allen went to Wyoming, but that's neither here nor there. But I, I mean, like Derrick Henry, I honestly think, and we were talking about this offseason, I think that mileage is going to catch mm-hmm. up to him, mm-hmm. um, especially with the foot injury. It wasn't like, you know, just a sprained Liz Frank. I mean, he broke his goddamn foot. Um, you know, the offensive line, they, they lost Roger Staffold. He's actually in Buffalo now. So it's going to be kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, a, a revenge game per se for, for staff. But I mean, this, this offense, I, I think they're gearing up for a rebuild. I mean, they got rid of AJ Brown, uh, again, Derek Henry, the mileage is catching up the defensive side of the football. They lost a, you know, a key defensive lineman to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm forgetting his name and I apologize, but you know, he blew his knee out before the season. Started. I mean, I, I I think there's a good possibility that the, the Titans may finish in the bottom of the bottom of the AFC South, and I, that's I saying something be because that's not a that's not a tough division to win. Well, look, Derrick Henry, he looks skittish. Uh, simply put, he looked like what Saquon Barkley looked like last year, where he didn't want to hit the hole. You remember how Saquon Barkley looks really mm-hmm. really unsure of himself? That's why I saw Derrick Henry. He averaged three point nine yards per carry. He didn't look like the old Derrick Henry. And on top of that, I pride myself on watching NFL games and knowing the the product inside and out. And there were times where I'm like, I see a number eighteen catch the ball for the Titans, and I'm like, who the hell is that? Like, who, who's that? And then I, I see 40 catching the ball for Titans, and I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. So once AJ Brown left, apparently they did not, like, restock the, the weapon cupboard at all because you got Kyle Phillips out there making plays, never heard of him before. Dontrell Hilliard, maybe I heard him in passing, don't know who he really is. Cody Hollister. Like, some of these people, like, I have no idea who they are, man. <laughs> right. I mean, like, Robert Woods, one reception, 13 mm-hmm. yards. Like, he was such a dynamic playmaker, with the Rams and, and like when I saw the Robert Woods signing, I'm like, okay, he's coming off of like the knee injury, but like if they use him kind of what, you know, half of what they did with AJ Brown and, and, you know, maybe incorporate some of the LA stuff, like, all right, this might be like a fun offense to watch. No, nope. I mean, again, it's week. It's we're going into week mm-hmm. two. We're week it's overreaction Monday and Tuesday. But you know, if, if Derrick Henry who one is getting decleated, by by yep. the New York Giants and two is looking skittish hitting the hole and this is kind of what your offense is built on is we're going to have Derrick Henry run the football 25 times grind down on the defense to open up the passing game and by the time you know you're ready to stop the run you're mush and you're you're behind the clock you know that doesn't seem to be translating anymore and I don't really know what Mike Vrabel is going to do um I mean the 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 spread right now the Buffalo is laying 10 against the Tennessee Titans. Wow. I mean, I I got Buffalo winning this game as a better. I'm probably not going to lay 10 points, but I, I think I think Buffalo is going to cover this number. I think they're I honestly think they're going to boat race Tennessee and I think this is a revenge tour for the Bills. I think they've been taking a lot of names down and they're just going to make it a point to start curb stomping teams. And I think this is going to be a pretty game on Monday night. I'm just hoping for another Derrick Henry S stiff arm from Josh Allen. 
Yes. Yes. Angry runs. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Puma, that's all we got for the game previews. I'm sure you've got some betting action you want to get across to the, to the listeners. Yeah, so for the Puma's best bets this weekend, last weekend, not going to lie, my teasers got slaughtered because of the San Francisco 49ers laying an egg against the uh, the Chicago Bears in pretty much a monsoon. And then, you know, the Dallas Cowboys being the Dallas Cowboys, which, Jay, by the way, I never learn. And I put this up on Twitter. Why do you uh, do it? Why do you do I, it? I, I never learn, Jay. It's it's I, I, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Like 2020, said to myself, never, I'm never going to bet. Never going to bet Dallas again. 21, never going to bet Dallas again. Last Monday, when the line, when I saw the lines, nope, don't do it, Brandon. Just don't do it. And then here's my dumbass on Sunday at halftime watching this game being like, I really did this, didn't I? Like, I took them straight up to cover the two and a half. I had them in a teaser bet with the Vikings, and they just completely let that whole ship down. But that was last week. We're ready to get it, you know, into the winner's column this week. And we're going to start off with the New Orleans Saints. I got them at plus three. Uh, if you try to get them now, it's going to be minus two. You know, they're, they're going to be like a two and a half point dog. Um, I got the Kansas City Chiefs laying three and a half points against the Chargers. If you go on DraftKings right now, that's ticked up to four, four and a half. Honestly, Jay, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this maybe hit five and a half points. Um, the only reason why I say four. You know, might stop at five, five and a half. Juju Smith-Schuster's been a little bit dinged up. Who knows if he's going to play. But I got the Chiefs laying three and a half points. I got the over in the Washington Commanders-Detroit Lions game. Uh, Both these offenses look to be prolific going into this game. Uh, Carson Wentz, you know, he threw for, you know, two or three touchdowns. And uh, I know he was a little bit of a turnover machine in that game, but... You know, both these defenses aren't great. Like, the Lions weren't really stopping anybody on the Eagles last Sunday, and the Commanders somehow let the the Jacksonville Jaguars hang around throughout the whole game. So I like the over 40, uh, 48, uh, 48.5 right now. I think it's at 49. And, Jay, don't laugh. Don't have a stroke. I got the New York Jets. What? Plus six. Plus six against the Cleveland Browns. Now, I know the Jets... They lost to the Ravens. They didn't have whole a big, you know, a whole offensive, uh, you know, spectacular performance with uh, with Joe Flacco. He he was the first one to lay an egg in the revenge game window. But the defense, short of you know the two explosive plays to Lamar Jackson, they were pretty good stopping the run. Like they were pretty good stopping the run. Um, Lamar didn't run around a whole lot. Um, they they kind of kept it close for a little bit, but. You know, there's no there's no planet on you know in the solar system where Jacoby Brissett Brissett should be a six point favorite. I, I'm sorry, I mean no disrespect. There should be there is not a a, a universe where Jacoby Brissett should be a six point favorite against anybody. Um, I think the Jets are going to be able to keep it close. I think they're going to be able to limit the run. You know, maybe they can generate a turnover uh, against Jacoby Brissett. But I'm sorry, Jacoby Lane six points. Against the New York Jets, uh, I'm I'm sorry. And plus, like the you know the Browns have that you know Brownie the Elf logo that kind of looks comical at the 50 yard line. Now I'm gonna go with the Jets covering the six points. Nice, nice. How you uh, how you liking college betting? You got any uh, bets that you like this week? Or um, well, first of all, I ask you to... this: How do you like the fact that college betting is so erratic? It's like basically uh, oh, all God. over the board. It's basically a crapshoot, right? It is, you know, Sims Sims go out the window 
with with college games. You know, like with the pros and you know the NFL. You know, the the sims are pretty close to to the number, pretty much, right? But you know, the college game. I mean, good. You know, there are times where I just say "f them kids, dude." Like it, it is just it is just mind boggling. To just watch your bet like go up in smoke because a nineteen year old what you know <laughs> freshman was paying attention. It was it's just so it's so great. It's so aggravating at the same time. Yeah. It's uh, but I, I love it. College betting is fun. Uh, I'm gonna look at the board this week and see what's uh, see what's going on here. But um, no, it's definitely definitely a fun time, especially because. You know, you can – hell, dude. Like, San Diego State mm-hmm. hung around against Auburn mm-hmm. on Saturday, and they were in it pretty much until, like, the, the eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and then the wheels fell off the bus. But if that would have hit, I would have pocketed, like, 250 bucks off of, like, a $20 bet. Like, come on. <laughs> so the one I like the, uh, this, uh, this week quite a bit is Oklahoma going to Nebraska. Oklahoma's favored by 11 points. Um, Nebraska's in shambles. They just fired their head coach. It's basically a dumpster fire in Nebraska right now. I would not be shocked if Oklahoma boat races um, Nebraska. I think when I saw the fact that he got fired, I was thinking, all right, well, this this is going to jump up to like 20 or something, 25, something ridiculous. But no, it's it's kind of hung around at a manageable number, especially for college. 11 in, in the NFL is massive, but 11 in college, it's it's a fairly even, uh, it's a fairly good number. So I, if you're betting on college football, take a look at that Oklahoma-Nebraska score. Okay, okay. Who's Ohio State got this week? Uh, they've got uh, Toledo, um, which uh, I will be glued to my iPad uh, around the reception time at your wedding. Nice, can't wait. I'm making can't I'm making wait. the centerpiece. Uh, I'm gonna ruin the centerpiece and put the iPad there. Uh, sounds sounds good. <laughs> I'm sure the table would appreciate it. <laughs> well, it depends who's sitting at the table with me, right? <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a fun table, Jay. You'll you'll be in good hands. You should have put some Ohio State fans there, man. Come on. I think you're the only Ohio State fan I know. Well, that's. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from New Hampshire. Are you kidding me? Come on. If it's not like everyone, everyone north of like, uh, you know, in the New England area, for the most part, for some reason has a hard on for Notre Dame. And I couldn't tell you why, but that is pretty much where the part of the country that I live in. Why? Why do you know why that is? Is it because a bunch of Irish I, folk live in? I, I'm guessing it's the Irish Catholic. Like that's, that's it. That's all I can think of. Yeah. Okay. Which which thoughts on the App State win last week? Oh God! I mean, Jimbo Fisher, man, <laughs> brother, brother, you clearly did not get the best money could buy. Like uh, either uh, that or they're tuning your ass uh, out. But I mean, there's n- another one of there's no planet in this universe where you should be losing to Appalachian State when you spent the most money in NIL deals. I'm I'm sorry, like that is that is bananas. But that gets back to the beauty of the insanity of college football. Oh, dude, it's un- it's unreal. And you know what's funny? Usually, I was, telling, I was telling this TV at text. Usually, we have these crazy Saturdays where just everything seems wacky. Everything like there's something in the water kind of vibe, right? That yep. doesn't happen until like week six, seven when you start to get into like conference play, right? And the way the NFL, yep. the way the college season set up is, you got the first four weeks to play a bunch of cupcakes, right? You invite Panera Bread State in as Colin Cowherd once instead, <laughs> and you beat up on them, right? You give a million dollars, and you, you you feel good about yourself, and then you have conference play week four or five but that's not what's happening anymore now these like little like sunbelt teams and like these like appalachian states they're coming in to win and take your money like how, how embarrassing is that like you yep. gotta pay these folks a million dollars and you got your ass beat by them 
Yep. Sorry about your damn luck. <laughs> and it's crazy because a beat Alabama last year. They're, they're a good football team with a lot of talent. I think I think if we don't see a change in quarterback um, for a I think I'd be shocked, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, because that, that, off, that, that offense looked anemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 the quarterback wasn't hitting anybody. Granted, some of the receivers were dropping ball. So, but I mean, it was just a poor offensive performance to an FCS school. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know what else, way, what other way to put it. <laughs> and, and I still say, last college football thing we'll talk about. And I still say, if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt, he would have. Beat oh, them if, Quinn, if they would have won, they would have won. won. They would have won. That was such a good game. I enjoyed the hell out of that game. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, uh, I think uh, that's all I've got, man. I think that's all I got, too. Let me plug it up real quick. This episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found uh, on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, you know, iTunes, if uh, YouTube. Jay is a master of slicing these things up, giving you the quick hits on the YouTube page. Uh, if you're watching or listening and subscribe uh, to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Don't know what kind of math the algorithm does with the, the people in Palo Alto, but help us get promotion and get exposed uh, to the masses here. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, the Twitter page, uh, at PFR uh, Podcast here. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima, the captain of the ship, is on Twitter at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, hit us in the DMs. All all forms of uh, social media are open. And uh, we are willing and able to discuss some football takes, some sports betting angles, whatever you guys want to talk about, we're here to chat. So hit us up for sure. And I uh, can't wait to do this again next week after after the little wedding ceremony too. So hopefully the two of us make it back from uh, from Stanford. You uh, ready for the wedding, bro? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, ready as I'm, I'll ever be. <laughs> I mean, you're already married. You just got to get the ceremony on the way, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But nope, the vows are done. Just got to get the tux and everything. We're good to go. All right, cool, man. All right, brother, now, well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, Condios. <laughs>